Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Do you know that free off-the-air advice is available to you over 40 hours each week as a service of the Clark Howard Show? Has been for 26 years. You can talk with a member of Team Clark just by scrolling down on Clark.com. You'll see the phone number, hours available each weekday for that free off-the-air advice and guidance. Coming up in just a little while in today's Clark Rageous Moment, video games that addict you. Child, adult, teenager, addicted, can't think of anything but the game. We're going to talk about that. And later, we've had a lot of uh, incidents of flooding in the United States, the risk of flooding increasing because of increased development, population growth, maybe uh, weather changes. And I'm going to talk to you about precautions you should take to deal with that to protect your wallet. I want to talk right now about next week's announcement of the new lineup of iPhones. And as is normal with an Apple product introduction, there have been calculated leaks of just little snippets of information to get people that are really into iPhones excited about it. There are going to be uh, apparently three new iPhones that will be laid out uh, as the greatest phones ever next week. And the people that are really, really devoted to iPhones are going to turn around and the first day you can get one, you're going to have one. And there's a cost to that. You'll pay more. But if you wait just a little bit, just a little bit, if you're into iPhones, you'll get a better deal. According to an analysis that a reporter did at USA Today, the sweet spot from introduction to when deals start appearing from the cell phone carriers and potentially retailers on a new introduction of an iPhone is generally about a three-week window. That if you're willing to let the people who've just got to have the newest phone right then and there get theirs, and you wait the three weeks, that you will likely find deals that they didn't get. The other thing is with any Apple cycle of upgrading, with older phones that they keep in their lineup, the deals on those older phones almost immediately get better. So again, it would be to your advantage if it matters at all to your wallet to give just a little bit of time to run before you go get the new phone. And it's funny because people who've gotten used to spending you know, $800, $1,000 or so on a phone don't have the perspective that most people spend less than $200 on a smartphone. Less than 200 And we've gotten into this upgrade cycle where people either of means or who it's just really important to will spend whatever it takes to get the latest Samsung or latest iPhone. And the reality is there are a lot of great phones in the market that are available sub $300. You don't have to spend all that money. But it's funny because there was a survey 
done that's here on Wallet Hub that says that one in three people say that their phone has a bigger impact on their life than how they're doing with their credit. How about that? But this is funny. Two-thirds of people say credit reports are easier to understand than the agreement you sign with a cell phone carrier. The cell phone carriers, masters of obfuscation, where they purposely try to make the terms and conditions difficult to understand. And so that is really funny, but this is the weirdest of all. One in eight people say that they would like to have the newest iPhone rather than having a better credit score. Our priorities are getting a little crazy here. One in five people would rather have unlimited cell phone data than have a good credit score. Have we lost our minds? Wow. 28 million Americans say they'd happily go into debt just to have the newest iPhone. Frenzy, frenzy, frenzy. Robert's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Robert. Hello, Clark. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. And Robert, you are serving our country. Talk about that. Well, I joined the National Guard not too long ago, and um, I love it. I just love every second of it. Are you in a video game arcade? What was all that? What was all what? There was a lot of uh, beeping going on and stuff. Uh, I'm next to a cash register right now. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) Let me step away from there. That's fine. That's fine. All right. So uh, thank you for uh, deciding to serve our country. Do you come from a family with a tradition of military service, and that's why you did it, or what drew you to the National Guard? Um, I don't really have a family that's done military service, but it all just comes down to I love my country. I love everything that's done for me, and I want to give it back. Well, and I, that's, that's the best possible way. That's fantastic. Well, great. Have you been to BASIC yet? Uh, I am soon. After the semester of college, I will be. All right. Well, how can I be of service to you? Because you're already serving us. Uh, well, I have a few thousand dollars that I'd like to throw into uh, either an IRA or the thrift savings plan within the military, which is essentially a 401k. No, it's better than uh, a 401k. Really low fees, right? Yep. I want you to go in the TSP. TSP over the IRA? Yep. And in the TSP, you'll have an option of a Roth TSP or a regular. Yeah, Roth. Go in the Roth TSP and go in the life cycle fund. Yeah. And All right. how old Why are you? TSP? Oh, I'm 18. 18, already in college. And uh, you're going to serve our country simultaneously. So you're going to go to a monthly drill while you're yeah. a full-time college student? Yeah, I've actually been going to drill. Great. Well, yeah. well I thank love you. it so much. And uh, it's very unusual at your age to have any focus on saving for retirement. It's great that you do. 
And I hope that (laughs) when you're at drill, I know a lot of times it's hurry up and wait at drill. Anytime you can guilt a fellow new guardsman into participating in the TSP, get them doing it. Yeah. So why do you have me investing the TSP over a Roth IRA? Because the expenses of the TSP are so extremely low. Because the TSP is run as a very, very ultra-efficient operation, which a lot of people don't think the Mm -hmm. government can do anything efficiently. TSP is outstanding, and Mm -hmm. the cost structure and the simplicity of it are so favorable to you that that's why I prefer the TSP. All right. And And what if I don't know exactly when I want to retire? Well, that doesn't uh, matter. Which life cycle fund, which L fund should I choose, though? Because those well, are in steps of like 2040, 2050. Yeah, so when you are that far out from even a range of retirement dates, there will not be that much difference in the mix of investments when you look 2040, 2050, 2060. And mm-hmm. so. Um, at your age, I would like you to look at, at a minimum, 2050. All right. And uh, probably more appropriate would be 2060. But if you want to go a little younger as a target for retirement, go 2050. All right. And again, thank you so much for your service to our country. Uh, you're obviously a very mature person for your age with all the things you're doing, going to college full-time, serving in the National Guard, already looking at saving for retirement, looking at what decade you're going to retire. You're going to have a great future. Thanks, Robert. Sally's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Sally. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you, Sally. How can I be of service? Well, several years ago, uh, when my son was born, he's 21, he's going to be a senior, he's actually a senior at a local college, and someone started a 529 plan for him, and it has grown like crazy, and he has gone through his four, well, three and a half years of college, and we've paid it out of the 529 plan, but he has a tremendous amount of money left, and we were trying to decide what we should do. I know that you should leave some of it in for his children. But it is a significant amount of money, and we just thought maybe when he gets out of college and wants to get a place of his own, maybe using some of that, even though it will be taxed heavily, we could still get it while he's not making as much money as he would later in life. So no other family member uh, going to go to college, no graduate school for him. This is the Um, end of the line. Yeah, he will not have graduate school. Other family members... Um, my husband and I have started 529 plans for our grandchildren, and you know it, he will probably have children. But even if we kept half of it in there for him, he would still have well over a hundred thousand dollars that he could take out, and that would be half. My goodness! All right. So the thing is, are you the owner of the 529? Uh, my husband, and he is the, you know, the the. He's the beneficiary. The, your husband's right. the owner. All right. So what would happen with doing a withdrawal not for college is you pay a 10% penalty and then you pay ordinary income tax. And it would be on the two of you for that. And so that's not a decision to take or make lightly. 
So should we go ahead and before he graduates, I think it was up until he turned 21. So he's actually 21 now. So would that actually move over into him as the beneficiary since he is 21? So I'm not sure, I'm not knowledgeable on the rules for changing the ownership of a 529 when a child reaches age of majority. That's not a mm-hmm. question anybody's ever asked me. So I'm, I don't want to give a flip answer to that. And the state plan itself that you have this money in would have uh, rules on transfers. But it is potentially, if you are able to transfer ownership from your husband to your son, your son's likely to be at a lower tax bracket, and the 10% penalty would still exist on the gains, only the gains, Right. Right. but the uh, effective tax owed would be lower. Right. And that's what we were thinking, because, you know, as he gets out of college and wants to start his own life... Even if he kept half of it in for future children that he may have, that would still be more than enough by the time they turned 18 to follow them along. Okay, so here's the scoop, um, thanks to producer Joel. So the IRS doesn't have guidance on this. So it is, as I said, I had that right, that it's up to each plan if they'll permit the change in ownership. Okay. So there's a procedure if the plan that the money's in will not permit a uh, the change of ownership, the 529 money could be moved to a plan that does permit change of ownership. Okay. And then at a later date, your son could cash out a portion of it and it would be taxed at his rate instead of your rate as a couple. Right. That would be great. Okay. So, so well, I appreciate it, your help. Sure. And what an interesting thing. Never in all the years of 529 plans, has anyone ever asked me? I thought I'd answered every possible question about 529s, and you gave me a new one. You never know what you're going to learn on the Clark Howard Show, and I'm the one who learned today. Today's Clark Rageous moment is something that I face as a parent, so many people face as a parent. You may face it yourself. It's the danger of getting addicted to video games. And it is a real thing, is that people get addicted. It's now the looked at as a disorder when people are addicted to video games. And the people who, who work as uh, counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, they see this all the time because the number of hours that people are spending playing video games that are into it is eight hours a week on average. Now, there are people you're saying, eight hours a week? My kid's spending eight hours a day on video games, and there are people that are doing that. There's a lot of belief that the video games have learned how to increase people's addiction to them, that it works on a particular part of the brain, potentially, and gets you more and more addicted. So video games, by their nature, are not necessarily bad. But I'd say this goes under that old saw that too much of anything becomes a bad thing. And this is a case where moderation is best. I encourage you to come up with a schedule of 
how much video game time you'll have if you are the problem yourself or if you as a parent are dealing with a kid who is developing what looks to be an unhealthy addiction to playing video games that you ring fence how many hours a day you're going to allow them to play and also you need to be very well aware as a parent a lot of these games now involve social engagement and your young kid could be communicating with somebody who's impersonating a kid who's an adult who's up to no good so you need to also be very well aware of what your kid's up to on that video game and who they're chatting with. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. You know, weather patterns are so unpredictable and it seems that weather has been more severe of late and who knows if it's because of climate change or it's just how weather patterns can be irregular over time, whatever, it's been more difficult to deal with all the various storms. And there are a lot of people who have suffered severe damage with things that they don't have insurance coverage for. Do you know with the federal flood insurance program, one in five claims that they have are from people who are in areas that aren't considered to be at high risk for flooding. Those are the people that have the coverage. But so often when there's a catastrophic flood, it's in areas that people don't consider flooding to be a possibility and your regular homeowner's insurance policy doesn't cover you. When you see the destruction that water can do, as I have in my job as a reporter and I've been to flood zones, I can tell you the destruction just numbs you. And the woman who is the head of Clark.com, Krista, in 2009, had her home heavily damaged and had to be rebuilt following a flood that she experienced. And it was a brutally difficult process going through the rehab and renovation, rebuilding of her home. And so it is a great disruption in life, but made much greater if you don't have coverage. And so if you live in an area where there's been a great deal of development and a lot of tree cover is gone and a lot replaced with asphalt and concrete, an area that may not have flooded in the past following heavy rains may flood now. And the cost of flood insurance subsidized by the taxpayers for you in your primary residence the premiums are not ridiculous. They're in the hundreds of dollars per year. Where the risk of flooding is relatively low, the coverage is up to $250,000. And it's something that I talk about every time after a disaster. And we were talking about this in our pre-show meeting where we meet every day and talk about ideas we should be discussing. And 
it was Kim had the idea, why do we wait to talk about this till we're in the midst of a disaster? Why don't I talk about it now? So I am. And if you go to floodsmart.gov, you'll see the process. It's really not difficult. Our home sits by two creeks, not big ones, small ones. But there's a very, very low level risk of flooding for us. But enough that we have federal flood insurance. And the fact that in nine years, no, seven years, we haven't had to call upon it. I don't look at that as wasted money. I look at that as what you hope insurance is for, is that you don't have to use it, but it's there if you need it. And I encourage you, if you live in an area that may in fact be subject to flooding, that you do check this out and consider it even if you're not in what would be considered to be a high-risk corridor. Stephanie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Stephanie. Hi, Clark. I'm so glad to be able to talk with you and your fine uh, helper, Kim. But I don't have, uh, I have not been subject to a disaster like so many others. I've been very blessed. This is merely a a bump uh, in the road for me in which I... Uh, gave away some money that, upon retrospect, I'm thinking perhaps this wasn't quite on the up and up. Uh-oh. And I what had happened? just about given up on it when I had a bright flash that came and said, I will ask Clark and see what he has to say. So what I happened, fear- Stephanie? Well, I fear this is going to be one of those stories that is a lesson for your listeners, but I was parked in uh, in my pickup truck, grocery store parking lot, and when I left, I made the turn a little too sharply and hit the car next to me, causing a dent in the bumper. So I waited for the driver of the car to come out. and You good it, it, person. Wait, wait, let me stop you right there. Yeah. Good person, right then and there, because so many people do something like that, look around, don't see any witnesses, and drive off. And you did the you did the right thing. (laughs) It was tempting, but I knew I had my granddaughter with me, and even if I didn't, I knew that was not the right thing to do. So I waited. Thank you for that compliment, but admitted my guilt, uh, offered to pay for the damages, told the person I would not be putting this on my insurance because I figured it was minor. Uh, a policeman happened to be nearby, and he walked over, and we all talked about it, and he agreed. He didn't even write a report. Uh, so weeks go by. She gets an estimate, lets me know. I give her my email, and she tells me what it is, and I arrange to meet her and give her the check. How much, did, that, how much was the dent from you scraping the car? It was over $3,000. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So you gave that car a pretty good whack, or... No, no? I really didn't, and that's what has got me thinking. Uh, When I told her, that, when I gave her the check, I said I expected to get a receipt showing that this had actually happened. 
you know, been paid for that reason, for that purpose. And uh, the emails went back and forth and back and forth, and she couldn't find it and it gave all kinds of excuses. And finally, in other words, last, she just pocketed that money. I believe so. Yes. Because the last email from her uh, had a tone such as, um, and the words saying, you don't need, you have no need of a receipt. All right. You got to treat this as just uh, a life lesson. Yep. Because, you know, once all this unfolded the way it did, and you decided to meet her and give her the check, and not require she got multiple estimates or anything, uh, at that point, you were trusting her to be as honest as you are. And I don't want you to lose your faith in people, but there are people that will take advantage. And there are people that when you say, oh, I don't want to involve my insurance, who think, oh, she's got something to hide. I can, <laughs> I can, I can run up a bill on Stephanie here. Mm-hmm. And so... I I think this is somebody who just took advantage of your good nature. And if you go back to that same store on a regular basis, you may see that vehicle there at some point and the damage not repaired. I believe so. But that's how I prefer to treat people anyway. Um, I just think that we are supposed to trust and help one another. But this was a hard one, uh, a tough one to learn, and it just, um, I have to think of it as she must have really needed the money, but next time, I will certainly ask for the receipt first, exactly. and then give them the money. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I got to add a little story to this that I have never told on the air. One day on the freeway, uh, the road was wet. And traffic, I came over a hill, and traffic had stopped in front of me, and I couldn't, because the road was wet, I couldn't stop in time, and I kind of slid, like somebody sliding into home in baseball. I was going just like maybe, by the time I hit the vehicle in front of me, I was going maybe two miles an hour. Mm -hmm. I almost completely stopped, Mm -hmm. and it was a Miata, and the Miata was all beat up, and so we pull over to the side, and we couldn't find where, the, where I had actually damaged the car because it was pretty beat up. And, and I said, well, I owe you some money for this. Let me just give you some money because I knew I didn't want to you know, have to deal with the police, have an at-fault accident and all that. And I gave the guy $100. You would have thought the guy had just won million in the Powerball. He was thrilled beyond belief. And before I even got back in my vehicle, he had (laughs) driven off in the Miata. He was gone. So I know that's not how you're supposed to do things, but that's how I handled it. And, you know, there are times that that common sense and judgment says that you don't need to involve insurance. I'm just sorry that in this case, it cost you so much money. Stacy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Stacy. Hi, Clark, and thanks for taking my question. Absolutely, Stacy. You got a question for me about managing your money? Yes, I do. I have a question about debitized. My husband and I were thinking about signing up for it so we could earn some points on our credit cards and 
you know, get cash back and so forth. So we're wondering, what's the, is there a catch? How does Debitize make money? So what and they do is they operate like so many um, apps do and websites on a freemium business model. They offer you the, the basic version for free, hoping that you'll get so into the debitized kind of stuff that you'll then want to pay them for the fancier stuff they do. Oh, okay. So you you are free to use Debitize, and they have a competitor called Debix, and you can use these as a brilliant way to turn a credit card into what operates in your life much like a debit card so you can control your spending and at the same time have all the protections of a credit card that you don't get with a debit card and if you earn reward points or miles or whatever you got that stuff too without worrying about going into interest charges or whatever how have you found it to be so far we haven't signed up yet but we were just we were just being a little bit cautious because it just seems too good to be true <laughs> uh, that it does all these things for you um, and so we just wanted to ask you since you know a lot about these items and this is uh, I got to tell you Stacy this is the hottest thing in financial services is offering freemium models Have you ever heard me talk about credit karma yeah so credit karma their whole design is they give you all this stuff free. They give you the ability to see your credit report, to monitor your score, monitor your credit, do your income tax for free, and who knows what else they're going to add over time. But what they trade in is the information that they know about you, and then they can recommend products to you. And if you click and you do one of those things, then they make money from that. So you get the services for free, what you're trading is your information. And that's how so many of these financial services work. You get something out of it for free that's great to have, and they get something too that makes some money even though they're not directly charging you. Devin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Devin. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Devin. You want to make sure your whole family is Clark Smart, is that right? That's exactly right. What would you like to do? Uh, I have a couple of daughters that are 25 and 27, and I'm sure they probably got 401ks where they work and all, but I'd like to start a retirement plan for them just to make sure they're covered. How would I go about doing that? Well, if they are adults, you you can do it, but they have to open the account but you can, okay. you can then fund the accounts for them. So if you wanted to open Roth IRAs, do you have a, a favorite low-cost place that you would do that no. at? No. All right. So I would say if you wanted the easy button, you could go to any of the low-cost companies that that I love. You could go with your daughters into a Schwab office or a Fidelity office and open accounts for them you could go to vanguard.com and have each of them open an account and then you could fund it and you can put up to fifty five hundred dollars for each of them that's the max you could put in each year into a retirement account but how much money were you thinking of doing 
Oh, I was just going to start with a couple thousand uh, the first year and just see see how it goes. That's great. You can do that with any like of any of the three. So, do you like the idea of? Are you happy with just doing everything online, or do you prefer the idea of going in person? No, no online's fine with me. All right. So uh, you could use any of those firms. Over time, Vanguard tends to be the cheapest. And what I'd recommend with a 25-year-old and uh, 27, is that what you said? Yes. With with someone that age, I'd like for you to look at something like a um, 2060 fund, the Target Retirement Fund 2060, which would cover the remainder of their likely working lifetime. Yeah. And so all you'd have to do, you get them to open the accounts, you got to have $1,000 each to put into those. That's the minimum to open one. Okay. And then you just, as you want to, over the years, you can add into their Roth IRAs, and it just all just goes in that target retirement fund. So you don't have to worry about the mix of investments. They don't have to worry about the mix of investments. You just have the money there growing for them over the years. Now, you could do something else, too. If you wanted to challenge them to be invested in it, you know, to really be engaged, you could do something else. You could say, I would like to match you dollar for dollar, every dollar you'll put into a Roth IRA. And that way you create additional incentive for them and more sense of ownership of the accounts. Yeah, it sounds like a good idea, too. Because if you just give them the money, um, doesn't seem to matter what age somebody is. If you just give them money, they don't seem to appreciate it as much if they've got skin in the game and they're part of it too. And uh, so they would be able to see what's going on with their accounts and they know the more money they put in, the more you'll put in up to a reasonable amount and the money would grow even larger for them. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks so much for listening today. You know, there's a giant team behind bringing you everything we do at Team Clark. Our podcast and radio show are produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. My TV producer is Leah Dunn. Clark.com is made possible thanks to Krista DiBiaz, James DeGal, John Crest, Theo Timu, Michael Timmerman, Craig Johnson, Beth Marcinko, Clara Bassanetto, John Jones, and Grace Del Rio. ClarkDeals.com, where you can find the best deals from around the web, is produced by Karis Brown, Laura Sayers, Sarah Jordan, and Damon Marley. You can sign up for our newsletters at Clark.com, thanks to Sally McDonald, and our social media gurus are Chelsea Glass and Nicole Carroll. Our Off-Air Advice Center is run by Lori Silverman. Sarah Mobley, and Sue Gatliff. And their team's available to serve you over 40 hours each week at 404-892-8227. And this is a free service of Team Clark. Thanks for listening. Till next time.